name is Bruce Rokas, and I, along with Mike Moran, I serve as one of the preaching and teaching pastors here at Cross Point. And I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in our audience this morning. Mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers, God bless you, and thank you for being here today. Mother's Day is a little different from Father's Day. Yes, Father, what he wants for Father's Day. He says, man, I just want to sleep in, maybe have a nice big breakfast waiting for me when I get up, maybe go out and play a little golf, you know. But you ask mom, what do you want? I want everyone to come to church and let's, let's worship God together. Come on, dads, we got Father's Day coming up next month. That's what we all want. Godly mothers, godly fathers, and we're glad that you're here today. Uh, after an elementary school teacher had given her class uh, a science lesson on magnets. Uh, she gave them a little pop quiz to see how much that they had learned. And one of the questions on the pop quiz read like this. My name starts with M, has six letters, and I pick up things. What am I? Well, about half the class wrote down mothers, right? <laughs> A lesson on magnets, but they picked up on mothers. And you know, you mothers really do a lot of picking up and straightening up of the messes that we make, not just in our homes, but in our lives. Amen? And we thank you for doing that. Mothers have a tough job. It's really hard to be a mother in 2019, but I would add equally to that, it's really hard to be a teenager in 2019 as well. I mean, this is the first generation to grow up in a completely digital age. A few weeks ago in our series on clarifying your worldview, I gave a statistic about adults, but I just recently discovered it's equally true of young people uh, born after the year 2000. Uh, their biblical worldview is only 4% along with the adults. It matches only 4%, and teenage depression and teenage suicide rates are skyrocketing. What's that all about? Digital age? Any teenagers have one of these? I mean, they grew up with a computer in their hands, basically, right? I mean, if you were born after the year you know, 2000, it means you're 19 years old today, but you grew up with technology that our generation didn't have. We had to sneak off to do some of the things that you see on here you shouldn't be seeing. And, and then you got Facebook, which is really fight book and bully book and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's issues that our young people have to deal with because of the digital age that we never had. Now, it's a two-edged sword. Technology is wonderful, but it's also part of the problem, and we need to deal with that. However, don't lose hope. That's why God gave us a mother and a father. That's why God gave us parents to teach their children to know and to love God and to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. See, mom, that's your number one job. Dad, what about dads? Same, number one job. And don't, don't try to come across to your kids that you got it all together, that you're perfect. They know better. But admit your flaws, admit your weaknesses, and say, son... Daughter, here's what I do with that. I take it to the Lord. Yes, mom, dads have hurts, habits, hang-ups, sins, and we're open and we're honest with our families, but we say, and we take it to the Lord, and son, daughter, here's what you should do. Take it to the Lord. You know, God is merciful. God is loving. 
He doesn't want you hurting yourself. He doesn't want you cutting yourself. He doesn't want you damaging yourself. He wants to love on you and forgive you. And that changes a young person's perspective when they see their heavenly father as one of love and not judgmentalism. And then once they know Christ, challenge them to grow. Challenge them to make commitments and to keep commitments. Challenge them to not just be takers in this world, but to be givers in this world. And then challenge them to grow in the grace, notice, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not legalism, not do's and don'ts, it's more grace. And that'll change the course of history. Well, what's the church's job? To raise your children for you? No, 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 no. The Bible never says anything like that. That's why he gave mothers and fathers. But the church is to come alongside parents and uh, help them, equip them for that task. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother. I've underlined mother today because we're going to focus on her. Next month is Father's Day. We'll focus on him. But I want you to honor your mother and your father. And, And it is my goal today that we all leave here realizing the high calling of motherhood. If you want to boil it down to one statement, moms, here's your job. Make sure your kids are ready for judgment day. Does that make sense? Make sure they're ready. That's it. Because real judgment day is coming. Make sure they're ready for that. So this morning we, we watched a little video of some of the moms in the Bible. We looked at some Old Testament moms, some New Testament moms. I'm not going to look at all of those, but I'm going to look at some of those this morning. And so if you take your outlines out, we'll start with some of our Old Testament mothers. And the first one you see is Eve. Uh, she is our very first mother. And, uh, and in Genesis chapter 3, and in verse 20, she's actually called the mother of all living. In other words, the DNA that is in all of us today, of every nation under heaven, was in that first mother named Eve. Wonderful, beautiful woman that she was. Oh, it's true. She led us astray in the beginning, right? They got us off track a little bit. But then she got it back on straight, And she got a relationship with God back on right and with her husband back on right. And they produced children. The Bible names at least three of their children. So you got Cain and Abel, and then you got that third child named Saith, who was the seed line through whom our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came on, which the Bible says we can call on the name of the Lord. What child did that come through? His name was Seth. And since the time of Eve, it has fallen on mothers. To raise their children for the Lord. Our mothers not only bring us into the world. Well then they nurture us. And they develop us. And they help us. And they provide for us. And they raise us up. And they teach us discipline. Mothers have a remarkable ability. To change the world through their children. Let's take a look first of all at this Old Testament mother, Eve. The world was changed because of her. What had, was lost in the fall was gained through a child. Genesis 3.15 says, Through the seed of woman, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And God used that 
third child saith to make that happen. Kipling said, an ounce of mother, I like this quote, is worth a pound of preacher. (laughs) You see, we get your kids that we're lucky once a week, but you have the blessing of having them every day to pour into their lives, don't you? And discipline and show them Jesus and show them grace and show them love through you. Mothers have to teach and administer proper love and discipline in their home. And sometimes that really needs the wisdom of Solomon to know how to balance all that and to do it right. I heard about a mother who one day had to discipline her, her daughter for her bad table manners. And, and for discipline, the mother says, for the rest of the day, you're going to have to sit at the card table while the rest of the family eats at the big table. And that night when supper was served, the little girl was over here and the whole family was over here and the family said grace. And once they were finished saying grace, before they started to eat, they heard the little daughter start up. And she said, thank you, Lord, for preparing a place before me in the presence of mine enemies. (laughs) Listen, kids, your mother's not your enemy. She is your friend. She loves you. She just wants the best for you. And sometimes discipline helps bring that out. She is a gift from God to help you grow. Amen? All right. So there's Eve. Then we look at Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Now, the background to this is found in Exodus chapter 2, the first 10 verses. If you recall, uh, this Levite couple have a son. His you know, they, 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 they see God's hand is on this boy, uh, and they see something special here. But about the same time of his birth, Pharaoh, remember, they lived in Egypt. Pharaoh was fearful that the children of Israel were beginning to outnumber the Egyptians. And so had placed in order a commandment that all baby boys two years and younger were to be killed, man, just chuck them out in the Nile River, whatever you want to do. And the Egyptian soldiers were going door to door looking for babies like this. And this boy is now three years old, and it's harder and harder to hide this baby. So uh, Jochebed, she she takes some reeds and puts together a, a little basket, fills it with pitch, puts it in a little blanket, puts it in the Nile River, and places it among the reeds. And to babysit was older sister Miriam. So she's off kind of taking a look over here and making sure little baby brother's all right. And wasn't it lucky that that particular day that Pharaoh's daughter decided to go down to the river, take a little bath, do enjoy a little swimming. And as she goes out into the water, she hears the crying of this little baby. And she goes over, sees the basket, picks up this little baby. Did you know, you know what the word Moses means? It means to draw out of water. And she goes, this looks like a good baby. I think I'll take it home, raise it as my own. Where's the safest place for Moses in all of Egypt? In Pharaoh's own household. See, what's Pharaoh trying to do to these babies? The deliverer that's supposed to arise. Do you see how we say it's luck that this all happened this way? But it's the providence of God. It's the hand of God. This is God intervening. And sometimes God will use your children. See, God doesn't only think in the here and now. Moms, dads. God thinks generationally. Who knows 
what your child or maybe grandchild or great-grandchild, maybe you don't even know yet, is going to be used by God to do. And Moses was now taken into Pharaoh's own household. And on the way to go there, what's quick-thinking Miriam, older sister Miriam, do? She runs over to to Pharaoh's daughter and says, hey, you're going to need a nursemaid for this baby, right? You're taking it home, right? Yeah. Want me to fetch one of the Hebrew women to be the nursemaid? And guess who she goes and gets? Her own mother. (laughs) Talk about being unselfish. You mothers have some tough decisions to make throughout life, don't you? But how would you like to have to make that decision? To leave your family to go to the palace to raise this boy, this particular boy that you believe God's hand is upon and has a purpose for. You know, what if Moses, what if she hadn't gone What if she hadn't done that? And what if Moses was even raised by the Egyptian mother of the year? He still would not have ever learned about the one, the only true God. He never would have led the Exodus. He never would have crossed the Red Sea on dry land. He never would have received the Ten Commandments. It would have changed the course of history, would it not? But because of a godly mother... The Bible says this, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 25, Moses, when he had come of age, he's now old enough. He knows right from wrong. He knows the true God and the false gods of Egypt. When he had come of age, chose to suffer affliction with his people, not the Egyptians, but with the Israelites rather than enjoy sin for a season. Where did he learn that, folks? He learned that from his mother. Thank God for Jochebed. And then I think of Sarah, the mother of Isaac. You know, Isaac means laughter, and I think laughter brought a, Isaac brought a lot of laughter and joy into that household because Hebrews 11, verse 11 says, By faith also. Look at that word, also. That means the same faith that was in Abraham was in Sarah herself. Receive strength to conceive and deliver a child when she was past age. She was like 99 years old because she judged him, that is God, faithful who had promised. God at 25 years earlier said, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son. And 25, how long have you waited for promises of God? You still leaning on the promises of God, standing on the promises of God? Say, but it's been 10 years it was 25 years for Abraham and Sarah before this child of promise was ever born. And so Sarah was a woman of God who believed God in the same faith that was in her husband also existed in her. She had a correct relationship with her husband and with her God. And the Bible says, women, listen to this. You are Sarah's daughters if you do what? If you imitate her faith. And then I think of Hannah, number four, the mother of Samuel, that great prophet of God. And, and Hannah was a praying woman. Look at 1 Samuel 1.11. It says, this is, this is a mother who was barren. And, and you know, she, she had a, back in this day of time, you know, a plurality of wives was uh, winked at by God. And, and uh, her husband happened to have another wife who rubbed it in that Hannah could not have a baby. And it just killed her. 
And Hannah prayed this prayer, Lord, give me a baby boy. Now, here's what I'll do, Lord. If you give me a baby boy, once he's weaned, here's what I'll do. I'll dedicate him to you all the days of his life. I'm impressed she was a praying woman. I'm impressed that she was willing to give this child over to God. We need praying mothers. What about dads? Yes, same side of the coin. We need praying fathers. We'll talk to dad next month. They will change the course of history. Samuel certainly did. She knew way back then that you could give your kids to the Lord before they are born and as long as they live. Compare that to, well, what can you do with a 16-year-old <laughs> in frustration? I'll tell you what you can do. You can give them to the Lord. You can give them to the Lord. Change the course of history, you give them to the Lord. Now, what does it mean to give your child to the Lord? You know, we have baby dedication Sunday here every few years. There's a, a new crop of kids that, you know, mothers are saying, I want to dedicate my child to the Lord. But do you know what that really means? It means to dedicate them to the Lord. And whatever desires that God puts into their hearts, we need to honor that and go along with that. In order to give a child to God, we must take our hands off of them and turn them loose for God's will and purposes. Um, there was a time in our lives, I'm talking about Jane and I, that we were thinking about becoming missionaries to Monrovia, Liberia. And we were a part of a little mission team. And uh, at some point, it became abundantly clear that we were not to be a part of this team. But you know what shocked me? When some of the team members told their parents what they had planned on doing and how angry mom and dad got. What do you mean you're going off to some foreign country? When will we see you? And then if you have kids, what, what's going to happen with our grandkids? How dare you do this to us? And these are some of the same parents that did what on Baby Dedication Sunday? Dedicated their kids to the Lord, and then God put that on their heart. Do you see how this thing goes? Ooh, parents, do you really want a Baby Dedication Sunday? Do you really mean it when you say, Lord, I'll give them to you all the days of their life. They're yours. And whatever you plan on their hearts, I'm willing to go along with. You know who I think had a problem with this? Mary, the mother of Jesus. We'll talk about her in a moment. After Jesus is 12 years old, remember that incident where they went to the temple and he was asking questions and answering questions of the Pharisees? And then Joseph and Mary come back and what's Mother Mary say? Jesus, how could you do this to your father and I? Remember what Jesus said back? He said, <clears throat> Mother, I must be about my father's business. He's not, pointing to, he's not pointing to Joseph. He's pointing to... And she got it. She held those things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. And then we don't hear any more about Joseph after that scene. I think sometime early on after that, Joseph is not on the scene. Whether he died, I, I don't know. We just don't hear any more about him. And I think Mary became very, very reliant upon Jesus... Not that he was this miracle-working kid that just made life easy for mom, but that he was just such an industrious young man that she depended a whole lot on Jesus. And now Jesus, fast forward, 
has been tempted in the wilderness. He prayed and fasted 40 days and nights. He has chosen his 12, and he's beginning his ministry. And Jesus loved a good party, and he took the 12 to a party, a marriage feast in Cana of Galilee, if you recall. Remember that scene? And what did they run out of? Wine. And Mother Mary comes to Jesus with this issue, with this problem. I don't know if she was the caterer. I don't know what she was in charge of the beverages that day. But she came to Jesus. The Bible says this is Jesus' first miracle, so she's not asking him to do a miracle. She just sees him as very industrious. I've leaned on him. I've relied on him. And so she brings some guys that says, Jesus, help. And Jesus has been trying to cut the apron strings for a long time. Mom, you know, you know my mission, father's business. You can't keep clinging to me. You can't keep holding on to me. And Jesus says, woman, uh, what am I going to do with you? You know, you know, when you read an email or you read something in a book, it's hard to hear the inflection in the voice. It's hard to hear what's going on. Some people, sounds like Jesus is being rude to his mother. He calls her a woman, not mother. No, it's one of those all woman. You know, what am I going to do with you? It's one of those kind of, the, Mary knows he's going to do it because she just walks away and says, whatever he tells you, just do it. Right? Remember how that all shook out? And he did his first great miracle at that wedding feast. By turning water into wine. But Jesus was also saying, Mom, it's time. I'm beginning my ministry. And there's going to come a day that you need to be ready to really let me go because I'm going to die on a cross for you and you're going to be there. Do you see that? Moms, dads, are you ready to let your children go and grow in the Lord? Easier said than done, isn't it? Oh, I see some of you moms saying, oh, let me hold on a little longer. I know, I know. There's a lesson there. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm not saying any of this is easy, but I know that it's necessary. And let's look at Mary real quick, because that leads us right into her story. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was dedicated to God because Early on, when the angel of the Lord suggested that this single woman allow the Holy Spirit to conceive in her, her body by immaculate conception, you know, she had to think that through. Wait a second. She realized the cost. She realized uh, the predicament that would put her in, the explaining she'd have to do to parents and to Joseph and the community. She realized, she counted the cost. She realized the shame. She realized the gossip. And she said, Okay to God. God, if you need me, I'm here for you. I am dedicating my life to you. She agreed to do it. And I also like the fact that she was a praying woman. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, you can look it up later, it just says that when the church met for prayer, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was at that prayer meeting. She was a dedicated mother. As a matter of fact, look at this picture. This is a, a, depicting John chapter 19, verse 20, 25. And the text says, now there, what's the next word? Stood. That's an amazing verse to me. Remember I told you the apron strings had to be cut because a day was coming. She would stand before the cross and watch her son die the most horrible death 
ever invented by mankind. That's a remarkable verse. There she stood by the cross of Jesus. It wouldn't have surprised me at all if the Bible wrote, and there wept at the cross of Jesus, or there fainted at the cross of Jesus. But it says, and it's a matter of record in the scripture, that she stood. She was a standing mother, and that's remarkable to me. Thank God for Mary. And then Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Did you know that John the Baptist and Jesus were related? Because Mary and Elizabeth were related. God is starting to move. There had been a silent 400 years of history, and now God is beginning to move. Elizabeth was going to be with child. And Mary goes there. But the backup to the story, what we find out about Elizabeth was she was a, a woman of God who waited upon the Lord. And the background goes something like this. Her and her husband, Zacharias, had prayed when they'd first gotten married, Lord, we want a baby. We'd love to have a baby. And uh, we would dedicate that boy to you and we would serve you. And Zacharias was a priest. And year after 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 year, no baby. And she's barren. And now they're both beyond childbearing years. And uh, Zacharias goes into the temple. It came his turn to go and serve. And he was in there an awful long time. And everybody's waiting outside, waiting for him to come out. And while he's in there, he has an encounter with an angel of the Lord. And the angel says, Zacharias, the Lord has heard your prayer. Guess what? You're going to have a son. Name him John. And Zacharias is thinking, what are you talking about? Heard my prayer. Oh, that prayer for a baby? We stopped praying that prayer back when we were in our 20s. We were, we were kind of over it. We just kind of assumed, no, God's delays are not God's denials. Amen? And, and because Zacharias didn't believe, he says, all right, you're not going to be able to talk until that boy's born. Can you imagine when he comes out of the temple that day and his wife and everyone says, wow, wow, what took so long? He hand signals, you know, angel, ooh, you know, flying out, came talk to me. And, and everything for not the next nine months when he communicates with his wife, he's having to write it out. And then a delivery and John's born and he can speak again. God's delays are not God's denials. Never forget that. And then Eunice, the mother of Timothy, how are we doing on time? Oh, we'll just skip Eunice. No, we'll, just kidding. Second Timothy 1, 5. I have been reminded of your sincere faith. He's, this is Paul talking to Timothy, writes Tim a letter, which first lived where? In your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Where did Timothy's faith come from? It started with a grandmother. And then it went to a mother, and then it was imparted to him, and he became a great, mighty man of God. The Bible says that the great faith that was in Timothy first came from his mother and his grandmother, and he became a great preacher, but the mother and the grandmother deserve all the credit. Well, what about the father? The Bible doesn't say much about the father. The Bible credits the mother. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Let's just go ahead and read this off the screen. And how from infancy, Timothy, remember when you were a baby? You have known the early 
the Holy Scriptures, that's the Bible, folks, which are able to make you wise unto, what's the next word? Salvation. Do you see this book right here, moms? Are you teaching it to your little ones? What's the point of this book according to that verse? Salvation. The purpose of Scripture is to get your kids safe. That's the primary purpose. Never forget that. Proverbs 31.30 says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord... That's all women, folks, not just moms. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And we praise and we honor every woman here today for being godly women and who want to do things God's way. Parents, you know the best thing you can do for your kids is be the best Christian you can possibly be. Kids, you know what the best gift you can give your mother this Mother's Day is to become a child of God if you've not yet crossed over and done that and then grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Walk with the Lord. Third John chapter 4. I have, gr- I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know, when your kids grow up, you really don't know exactly. Did I do enough? Did I say enough? Did I share enough? Or they, did they develop a faith of their own? Or did, did they just develop mom and dad's faith? But isn't it neat some of you who are my age and above, who have children and grandchildren now, and your kids are plugged into a Bible-believing church. They're involved in a small group. They're involved in a ministry of some kind. Ooh, isn't that good? There's nothing that makes your heart feel any better than to hear your children are walking in the truth. And every son and every daughter can give their mother that gift today. If you haven't already done so, do that. If you need to bless your mother's life by getting right with God, making angels sing, you can come home this very day. You can make it public. You can come forward. We can talk about it. Or you can do it right there in the seat where you're at. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you wherever you are. If you're away from God, come on home. And now to the moms, we'll close with this. The moms who protect us, the moms who support us, the moms who instruct us, to the moms who are loyal to us, we say thank you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. So whether you are a parent or not, How are you being intentional about pouring into the discipling of the next generation? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the godly mothers you have blessed us with here at Crosspoint. Thank you for their faith. Thank you for their love. Thank you for their support. Bless them for all that they do. And Father, would you bless those who long to be mothers? but haven't yet been able to conceive. Would you bless them with the children that they desire to have? And would you bless those mothers who've had miscarriages, miscarriage after miscarriage in some cases? And would you bless the mothers who have lost children through death? And would you bless the mothers who have children, but they're not walking with you? May they come home today, we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.